All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's talk about the vaccine rollout here in B.C., such a hot story this week, and, and some concerns yesterday about where the locations will be for the, va- the mass vaccine mm-hmm. clinics, right? What's going on there? So 172 clinics are going to be established, and we're talking uh, you know, hockey arenas, community centers, civic buildings, school gymnasiums around the province. Where... There's some concern or some controversy pop up. Obviously, 172 is not the number of towns in British Columbia. There's more municipal, more towns and municipalities than that. And some uh, locations or, or some municipalities are realizing they may not get a clinic within their, their uh, municipal boundaries. This has been raised in the legislature this week. The yeah. Liberals have raised this, um, pointing out that Hope, B.C., will not have a clinic. That means people in Hope, which will include a number of seniors, will have to travel. Not sure exactly where the closest clinic to them would be. The mayor of... Um, uh, Delta has raised concerns that there's no uh, clinic in Delta. They have to go to Surrey, which doesn't seem like a long journey. But if you're a senior with mobility issues, uh, this can become an issue. So I'm not sure it's feasible or practical to expect a clinic in every single town in BC. Um, but something has to give, and you're going to hear some some concerns voiced by communities that don't have clinics. Okay, and we're already hearing concerns from the opposition in Victoria. As you mentioned, here's Shirley Bond, the interim Liberal leader, talking about that. Many seniors in our province haven't been out of their apartments, they haven't been into community, and now suddenly there may be an expectation that they have to travel for their vaccination. Okay, there was member earlier they were saying like we're going to we're going to bring in dentists and give give dent allow dentists to give the shot and stuff like that. Is that for later or where how does that work? So other people are going to be allowed to or be going to be trained as immunizers there's, yeah. and there's not just clinics in terms but at of the clinics there'll be well there's them. also home support teams that are yeah. going to be established if you're a senior and you get home support right now you're probably going to get the vaccine brought to you yeah. there are going to be mobility teams so it's not like anybody's going to get frozen out here but it's going to be a more of a challenge for some people in some places to get to the to the place where they get their shot than it is in other areas i would think just Top of mind, it's going to be easier, likely, in an urban sit- situation than a rural one. But there are going to be mobility teams for rural situations and um, teams to have home support for seniors. Okay, we continue to follow that one. Now, the, the week started off with Bonnie Henry announcing that they would extend the period between the first mm-hmm. shot and the booster shot to four months. We saw some criticism of that, including from the Chief Science Officer of Canada, most notably. But now, as, as you predicted that day on the show, we saw that the uh, the National Advisory Council on, on Immunization this very influential committee here that advises the mm-hmm. government, uh, backing up Dr. Bonnie Henry on this thing. Yeah, this is the right thing to do. Go four months. So I, I suspect you're probably going to see like all the provinces get in line and do pro- the same thing. All the provinces will get in line. And, and countries where they don't have a lot of vaccine will likely follow this. The United States isn't doing it because they've got so much vaccine. They're awash yeah. in vaccine. So the issue yeah. of uh, spreading out the second dose is not an issue down there. It is an issue in countries that don't have a lot, a lot of vaccine. So the science suggests it's better to get way more people with first doses yeah. than a smaller number of people with two doses over right. and over a very quick period of time. So you're going to see other provinces already, Alberta and Ontario signal they're going to do this, PEI. Um, uh, again, it's uh, and I'm not sure Dr. Henry was, it's so much NASI following Dr. Henry or Dr. Henry anticipating what NASI was well, going to do. Knew. She knew what they were going to recommend. I think, I think the, the, uh, it was obvious because the science that was coming back, and even her own people were doing the, um, doing the studies here, there's, there's two uh, words, efficacy and uh, effectiveness. Efficacy was what uh, 
Pfizer and Moderna were using to see how, in their clinical trials how, uh, how uh, the efficacy of the drug. Once effectiveness takes hold, though, that's what's called real-world data. Yeah. That's once it gets out in the real world. And it's not just 35,000 people in a clinical trial. Now we're talking tens of millions of people around the world. And they start looking at what's happening, and they realize the dose is actually very effective, higher more effective than it originally anticipated. And lasts a long time. And lasts a long time. And that's why you can go to four months. Now, there's, you know, NASI also pointed out this could be revisited. This could be changed. I yeah. mean, if they see evidence down the road that, hmm, maybe it's weakening after uh, four months, so this could be changed. But right now, yeah. uh, NASI, I looked at their, went back to their website yesterday. These are 16 infectious disease experts and epidemiologists from across the country of all, and they've attached what they call a strong recommendation. Yes. Sometimes they make recommendations without any weight to them. This one is um, with an asterisk, strong recommendation to move to this. Yeah, that's very powerful and a, sort of a growing consensus on it, although there's still some criticism of it. Here's Adrian Dix, the BC Health Minister, speaking on this yesterday. It obviously supports the action taken uh, by British Columbia, by Dr. Bonnie Henry. Uh, that action was based on the science. You'll recall that last Thursday we published our science on the question and Dr. Danuta Skaronsky of the BCCDC did that, and we took a position based on the science. We've been working with the federal government, jurisdictions across the country, and obviously the, this decision by the National Advisory Committee on Immunization supports our approach in BC, and uh, we expected that, and we're very positive about it. Yeah, they expected that, like you said there at the end. They knew that. <laughs> well, even in her presentation uh, before she announced this, or the day she announced it, she said the there was an announcement that was imminent from NASI, from the National Advisory Committee on Immunization. So I think everybody knew what yeah. was coming here in terms right. of public health. Okay, interesting to see uh, Solicitor General Mike Farnworth coming out with some uh, some gun mm -hmm. gun measures in, in British Columbia, sort of following on the heels of the national the federal gun ban that Justin Trudeau is pursuing. So, uh, Farnworth, what are the highlights here? What jumped out at you on this? Well, it's obviously aimed at gangs. So uh, yeah. things like uh, now, if you're pulled over in a car uh, or any vehicle, and you have an unlicensed or prohibited prohibited weapon, such as a gun, on you, it's not just seized. They're not the police are not just going to seize the gun. They're going to seize the vehicle. You're going to no. pound the vehicle. So gang. Gangsters are going to lose their vehicles. Uh, cops know who the gangsters are. If they pull them over, uh, they now can take their vehicle under the amendments here. Uh, you've now got to uh, have your fingerprints taken if you buy body, ar body armor. Uh, mm -hmm. You've got to show ID at a, at a gun range now. A lot of things to see. And also there's more clarification where you cannot bring a gun, uh, where you cannot uh, show up with a weapon. And that was sort of fuzzy in the past, where people literally thought they could bring a gun to a hospital, for example. That now it's clarified in the in the act that there's much more. It's more of a restrictions rather than bans. Yeah, he's not banning any weapons. I mean, that's federal jurisdiction yep. to ban weapons, which is what Trudeau is Just doing. Just makes and it I, harder I, to uh, use these weapons in a sort of criminal fashion. Well, I also like the targeting of gangsters. Mm -hmm. Like, go go after the problem. Go after the lawbreakers. You know, go yeah, after who, the gangsters. Who buys body armor? Who who uh, you know who who has guns in their vehicles? Yeah. Uh, that are that are uh, prohibited. I'm still waiting to see how this uh, handgun ban is is going to work, though. I had the federal public safety minister on the show last week and tried to get some answers out of him. Out of I think it'll, I think it'll be that. I think that will be fuzzy through the upcoming oh, election campaign. Like you know, like you got Vancouver and Surrey both saying, "Oh yeah, we love this idea. Let's ban handguns." How is it going to work? Explain it to me. Yeah, I'm not sure Vancouver is going to devote a lot of resources to something like this.
Okay, Surrey City Council votes themselves oh, yes. a pay raise in, in secret, and uh, there is this astonishing interview uh, yesterday with uh, with our own Linda Steele uh, talking to Surrey City Councillor Allison Patton and about this pay raise that they gave themselves in secret. This is an amazing interview. Here's just a little bit of it. I'm not going to comment, as I said. You do not think that taxpayers deserve to uh, hear what you think about a controversy that's been making news all day? Well, who made the controversy? That's maybe what they should ask. Okay, well, taxpayers then who got a 2.9% tax hike, should they be concerned that some of that money is going to go to pay increased salaries for council and the mayor? I'm not going to comment. Okay. <laughs> Great job by Linda. Uh, it's an amazing interview. You're just cringing through the whole thing because her, you know, she her, just doesn't want to answer the, the question. The councillor's position is absurd because yeah. she's not being asked to discuss conversations that took place in an in-camera meeting. She's being asked to talk about a decision that was made in right. an in-camera meeting. This is akin to the provincial cabinet. We talk to cabinet ministers all the time about cabinet decisions. We don't ask them uh, about the conversations that took place in the cabinet room. That is off uh, off the record or off limits, and they are entitled to cabinet confidences. And just like in-camera meetings, but the, the, the decisions that flow from these in-camera meetings through these confidential meetings are certainly in the public arena and are obviously are up for scrutiny. I, I think the people of Surrey need a, more of an explanation oh, about sure what went do. on here too. Yeah. Like for example, like who voted for this raise? I mean, they're saying okay, they voted in secret for this raise, but they have not released the voting record. We don't know. It was it a unanimous vote to give mm-hmm. them all, give them themselves a raise? And now you've got several several councillors saying, "Well, I'm going to give the raise to charity." Well, did you vote for it yeah. first? I mean, before you now, and now you're giving it to charity after it's. And they only found out about this because the Surrey Now uh, leader newspaper uh, yeah. discovered this through a, a document. Well, good, good for them. And I thought Linda Steele did an awesome job of, in, in interviewing that um, that uh, councillor. But it, it's like that you've mentioned several times an old rule of thumb: when you're in a hole, stop digging. Mm-hmm. And, and this is kind of a classic example of it. You're already in trouble. You agree to do this interview, and then you 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 go on for ten minutes without answering the question. It was just ridiculous. What did she want to talk about? instead i don't know she wanted to talk about, about award uh, they got as the best city or something they got the award for the most the best trees or something <laughs> in surrey she wanted to talk about that instead she thought that was going to be the yeah. topic of discussion all right welcome back baldry's beat keith baldry from global news your calls to him 604-280-9898 star 9898 toll free in your cell kevin in surrey hey kevin hi hi there go ahead yeah i, I just was uh mentioning or not mentioning thinking i'm wondering if the manufacturers are on board with this and if it's they are great but if they're not and they figure it's a contradiction to their their suggested uh, dosages could they withhold or would they withhold supply no i don't think so Keith. no no they wouldn't withhold supply i mean they're a company that wants you know delivers a good that they want bought and they've got these are also contracts that have been signed uh, with with co- uh, countries around the world, so no, there's no danger of that. Yeah, and the companies have said, look, we're sticking by mm-hmm. our, uh, the, the the label, the information that we put on the label on the bottle, and we do well, encourage you to follow s- what what we're telling you to do. But and, it's up to you. And they've got the liability issue. They don't want to suddenly yeah. open it up to uh, another number when they haven't done the research themselves. Yeah. The research they've done, which was on a very limited basis, was the 21 to 28 days, and they're yeah. sticking with that because they haven't done more research. Other research has been done subsequent to that by other companies. Co- and other epidemiologists, infectious disease experts, which has led to the four-month interval. Let's go to um, Kevin and or Lincoln in Richmond. Hey, Lincoln. Hi. How you guys doing? Good. Go ahead. The, the question I have is, uh, well, it's a kind of a comment. First of all, they already ask for ID when you go to the gun range. That's 
number one. Okay. Number two, who takes a rifle or a firearm to a hostel? That's like saying, oh, you're not allowed taking a firearm to the bank. Uh, and the only good thing that they said is that they're going to seize the vehicles from the criminals. That's the only good thing I can say that came out of that whole press conference. Okay. Keith, your thoughts? Well, there was a little more to that. I mean, this is not going to be a wholesale crackdown on um, on seizing guns because, the, as you mentioned, the federal government has a lot of jurisdiction here over the province. But the province can make some changes to basically make life uncomfortable for gangsters, and I think that's what this well, legislation is Well, yeah, I mean, I got no do. problem with them going after the bad guys. I mean, this is what they should do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, like, I, I'm less convinced about banning weapons that are owned by law-abiding Canadians who use it for sport shooting, target shooting. And that's the federal law. Not so well, that's right. So it's the, the feds that are doing that. I mean, the feds, have, I think, have gone overboard on it. I mean, they're banning airsoft guns, which is basically a pellet gun, mm. like a paintball gun that, that people use in sort of sport shooting. They're banning those? Are you kidding me? Like, there's a lot of small businesses that actually run these things, that, these kind of sports. And I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that's fair. Uh, I don't think that's going to save any lives. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of politics going on, too, mm-hmm. because the liberals know it's good politics for them on gu- uh, gun control. John in Vancouver. Hey, John. Hi. Uh, I want to remind people that last summer we got down to, what, what, eight cases with no vaccine. So if people get shots in the arm, uh, say 90% of the people are done by late June, July, shouldn't our case count go down to zero for a while, you know? Yep. Yeah, so yeah. The, the expectation is that's what's going to happen, that our case count will start dwindling. Dr. Bunny Henry, at the last briefing... It could go down dramatically if we get, like, everybody with first shot by July. Well, the science that was produced as part of this was what's the effect of what's happened in long-term care homes. Yeah. Both staff and residents, 14 days after the doses were administered, basically dropped to zero. And the expectation is if we can get everybody, like at least 80, 90% um, with one dose by July... We'll have zero case count. Dr. By everybody, and you just heard in the break the promo there for Linda Steele's uh, um, show with her conversation with Bonnie Henry. When can we get back to normal? She has held out the possibility at the end of April or certainly June or July, we could start seeing these restrictions ease because so many vac- people will, will have been vaccinated and a number of other factors at play. So I think there's a real hope Bring for it the on. summer being much nicer than a lot of people envisioned yeah. just a few weeks ago. That would be great. We got Councillor Kirsten Duncan in Maple Ridge calling in. Councillor, hello. Hi, it's good to hear you. Hi, what would you like to say? Uh, I just wanted to comment that um, from what I've heard you say on the radio today, I think it's grossly inappropriate that the Surrey City Council voted themselves a secret pay raise. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Many people aren't working and can't get work. Many people are struggling just to pay their rent and get by. And even if they were going to go forward with a pay raise, they have to do it in public. And the public deserves to have a say. It should never be the city council that are voting themselves a pay raise. There should be a separate governing body that makes that decision or at least recommendations to them. They should never be doing yeah, I mean, it really stinks to do this in secret. So you're saying there's there's no law or rule compelling them to do this in secret. They could have done it in open council. Is that right? I believe so, yes, because yeah. we've had a discussion as the city of Maple Ridge about whether we would like um, to do an increased pay raise as a council. And to go into the intimate details, you may need to go in closed. Mm-hmm. But you can certainly have a discussion in public about that. I don't what did, what did you... What did you guys, what did council do in Maple Ridge? Did you get a raise this year or no, last year? No, we thought it was appropriate uh, because of the pandemic, so we didn't yeah. go forward with anything. 
Thank you so for calling in. There's three things here. One, politicians voting themselves a pay raise never looks good. Yeah. Uh, usually goes to an external commission that comes up with this. Uh, secondly, doing it in secret makes a bad situation even worse. Third, doing it in, in the middle of a pandemic when, as the councillor just pointed out, so many people are out of, out of work right now. Absolutely stinks. Yeah, and then doing an interview with Linda Steele and refusing to answer <laughs> yeah. questions about it okay, makes it even thing. worse. Okay, four things. Okay, Keith, thanks for that. All right, that is well. that is Keith Baldry, and that is Baldry's B.